Okay, so we're going to look at Psalm 46, if everyone's got a Bible. I love the Psalms. Anyone love the Psalms? Yeah, it's, uh, some, it should be a staple part of your daily diet. You know, every day you want to read some Psalms because uh, they're good stuff. And uh, they made up the balanced diet of the Jewish people for a long, long time. And the early church right through to today, it's, it's good stuff to, to read them, meditate on them, and even pray them, sing them. You know, chop them up, dice them, put them in a salad, whatever you want to do. But they're great. Just use them every day. And so Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge. The thing I like about the Psalms is the pictorial language that you get out of these Psalms. They're full of uh, metaphors that actually describe deep theological truths and realities about God. And the first one that we got here, I like how the, how the sentence structure starts. God is. Okay, God is. So this is, this is something about the nature of God. This is something about the character of God. This is something that is intrinsic to God's nature. Okay, so what is it? God is our refuge. He's our refuge. He's not Mrs. Smith up the road. Unless, of course, she knows Jesus, then he's her refuge too. But he's our refuge. He's our God. And he loves us and he's with us. And he will never fail us and he'll never forsake us. Hallelujah. Now, what is a refuge? A refuge is a place of safety. Uh, a really awesome refuge. If you've ever been there, have anyone ever been to Israel? Yeah, a few of you. So the place called Matsada, have you ever been to Matsada? Yeah. That's, now, that's a refuge. I don't know if you've been up there, but it takes a lot, it's a lot of effort to get up there, a lot of effort to get down from there. But it's in a place where you can't get, no one can get to you, no one can harm you, no one can touch you. Okay? The Romans tried to do it. There's some people that stayed up there. It took them two years to build a trench, to walk up that trench, to get to the Jews that were hidden in that place. So it's, it's, a, it's a refuge. But God is our refuge. And the enemy can't put a, a siege barrier and climb up it. The enemy just can't get to us. God is our refuge. If you're feeling that you're in a place of perplexity, if you're in a place where things are just like, oh, you're in a dark place or you're in a place where emotionally you're not in a good place right now, then you need to know God is. Now the word is, is present tense. Not God will be or God was, but God is. Our God is a refuge. In other words, he is available to be your refuge right here. I know this is a really simple sermon, but yeah, that's, that's what God is. He is omnipresent. He is here right now. And he is saying, I am your refuge. Another thing about a refuge is that it's uh, another title given to God. It says, he is my refuge and my bulwark. It's on Psalm 91. It's an old English word, but um, I believe I'm correct to say this, but a bulwark is a, is, a, is a large shield, but also in ships, they like the Titanic, uh, theirs didn't work very well, but they had these big shields that were, that were flood compartments. So if the water broke into one, it would hit this shield and then that would, that would save the rest of the boat and so on. But I think the Titanics didn't go all the way to the top of the ceiling. They had like a big gap so the water came through. But God is our shield. He's our deliverer. He's our protector. But I think sometimes we often forget these things, don't we? We can be in the midst of our own mess and in the midst of our own situation. And sometimes we just forget the obvious. 
that actually sometimes we need to just stop and say, okay, right, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Lord, this is just, this is just madness. I just need to come to that place of quiet and stillness and I just need to be in the place of the Lord my God who is my refuge, who is my shield, who is my exceedingly great reward. And it goes on to say, God is our refuge and strength. Not by might, nor by power, by his spirit, says the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not my might, not your might, but his might, or my might. In the power of his might. And how often do we do things in our own strength? Yeah? We do so many things in our own strength. God taught me a long time ago when it came to working in the ministry. It was like, you've got to stop doing things in your own strength. Because you know what happens when you do things in your own strength? It all goes wrong. Big time. (laughs) And even when it seems to go right, it's always little time. Because then something will come along and knock you back three paces. It's just not worth it. If you're doing it God's way and do it from a place of rest and not from a place of striving, you will have unimaginable breakthroughs. You'll reach new plateaus, new vistas, new heights in things of God if we just do it his way and not our way. Now, sure, we've all got brains, we've got intellects, and we have to use them in our jobs and stuff. But the Bible says, commit your ways to the Lord and he shall direct your paths. If we, in all circumstances, in all situations, make the ever-present God ever-present in our lives then he will change things step by step, moment by moment in our lives. Even when it's all a train wreck, God is our refuge and God is our strength. And I like this next part of the verse, a very present help in trouble. He's very present, like completely present, right here present. You know, but I don't feel it. It doesn't matter what you feel. The reality is God is a very present help in time of need. And I, I, I think that God wants to encourage some people with this, this particular verse tonight. Is to, God wants to, because God is a good shepherd. And God actually, Jesus is an awesome pastor. I don't know if you've ever met the guy, but he's a great pastor. And, and, and there's times, you know, there are time, you know, pastors, like especially Jesus, there'll be sometimes he'll give you a little whipping up the back of the leg. Come on, guys, keep moving. Let's keep going. Because the word comforter, by the way, through the Holy Spirit is parakletos. And I don't know if you know this, but a parakletos was the guy at the back of the Roman army with a spear to prod them when they were falling out of rank to encourage them the parakletos that keep them going and so sometimes when God is encouraging you he gives you a little ow ow let off stop it you know to keep you going keep you going forward because he knows what's best for you even when you you don't want to do the things that he would like you to do but he is your very present help in a time of trouble he is there for you and all we have to do is call upon the Lord our God you know the Bible says he who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved But that doesn't just mean salvation. It can mean literally saving your life. You watch those 911 programs. That's America, isn't it? 999 programs. And, uh, you know, you you hear these people say these things all the time. It's like, uh, you know, I was trying to, one of I remember this guy, the car had gone upside down. They were in a a river and the car was filling up with water. It was like a five-year-old boy in the back of the car. And the father was desperately trying to get his seatbelt undone and it just wouldn't come. And he just said, and obviously he didn't know what he was saying, because quite clearly he didn't. But he just said, oh, in that moment, I just said, oh, God, help me. And he said, and suddenly the seatbelt just snapped. And 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 we just got him out of the car and we we were saved. But he didn't realise. But the reality is he called upon the Lord and the Lord saved him. 
And we as believers, we can call upon him 24-7. You see, in the, old, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament days, if you knew somebody's name, it was, it was a very powerful thing to have someone's name because it meant that you could call upon them. Yeah? It meant that you could bother them. It meant that you could say, hey, Chris, oh, what? Um, I need a favor. And, and this, this, this theory applied to gods as well. Of course, in Exodus 3.15, uh, God reveals his name. He says, you know, he says, I am who I am. And then says, I am Jehovah. Now, most of our Bibles just capitalize the word Lord. You know, it just says Lord in capitals, which is where it says Jehovah. But I think we're missing a trick there. Because God gave us his sacred name and his name so that all who ever calls upon that name, he is there present with them. And this is why in the Ten Commandments, it's, it's, uh, it's a, there's a punishment for those that call upon the name in a blasphemous sense. Because you see, when you call on the name of Jesus and you use his name or you use the, the name of Jehovah, he instantly is there. And then if it's, oh, it's just a swear word, poof, and off he goes again. But anyone who calls on that name, it means that you have, as, a, as, as covenant members, if you are Christians, you are covenant members with God. And it means that you can call upon Yahweh Sabaoth, which means Lord of Heaven's armies. It means you know his name and you can call upon that covenant God. Lord, I need your help here once again. And his presence is there. And his presence is there to help you and protect you. Hallelujah. I remember reading this story of, uh, it's a true story of, of a woman, she, she'd been kidnapped by this guy and it was uh, in America somewhere, it was late at night, she was chucked into the back of a car and he was going to take her to a field, I think rape her and kill her and then she just called on the name of the Lord Jesus started speaking in tongues and praying in tongues and she just wouldn't stop and the guy couldn't find her, just like he just walked away, he couldn't find her anyway and she managed to escape and, uh, and get to safe ground and she was alright. But it's those that call upon the name of the Lord, those that start operating in those spiritual things that God has given to us. We start using these things. It's like Christianity is not a religion that we practice on a Sunday. It's something we can have every moment of every day of our lives. It's a living, breathing thing, hallelujah, as we breathe in God through our lungs and breathe him out. So our faith is real to us. It's real, hallelujah. I don't want to do churchianity. I don't want to do church on Sunday. I want reality. I want God in everything. Because the more of God is in our lives, the better our lives are. Mostly because God gets you into trouble as well. Let's, not, let's be honest. Has anyone got into trouble with God? Hands up. Yeah, yeah, he'll put you into. Now, some of them not putting their hands up. That's not good. You haven't got yourself into trouble with Jesus yet. You need to ask, say, Jesus, get me into some trouble with you. Uh, yeah, I've got into some trouble with Jesus, but he's always brought me out of it. And it's like, Jesus, this is a fine mess you've got me into. It's like Lauren Hardy. Oh, this is another fine mess you've got me into, Jesus. So it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And that's the key word there. He is a present help. Are you in trouble? Are you in trouble? Are you, in, are you struggling with debt? Are you struggling with health issues? Are you struggling with anything? Are you in trouble? Then call upon your God. He's a very present help in trouble. Now, I appreciate you guys are here. I'm also talking to people that listen to the, they listen to the broadcast. So, um, so I'm talking to them as well. Because if you're in this room, you might be, oh, I'm all right. I'm not in trouble. I'm all good. Yeah, but there are people listening out there that aren't good and aren't in a good place and are in trouble. And they need to be reminded that God is a very present help for them in their time of need. Now, listen to this, verse 3. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Is that what your translations say? Ord. Ord, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, anyone else? And the one that isn't this one, like a normal translation. Verse two. Yeah, verse two, yeah. Therefore we will not fear. One of the commandments that Jesus gives, and this is a commandment, is do not be afraid. Okay. Because you see, what is fear? But if fear is, is an inversion of faith, it's a perversion of faith. It's basically saying, I fear that this thing has greater power than God has to save me. That's what fear is. And God wants his people to be a people of faith, not a people of fear. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Though the earth be changed, and though the mountains are carried into the midst of the sea. Now, I must admit, if I saw that happen, I might be a little bit afraid. <laughs> you just saw mountains moving and top plates shifting and things all moving all over the place and the ground shifting and stuff. I would be a little bit afraid if I'm honest with you. But Jesus says, do not be afraid. I remember God gave me this dream once and in this dream was this like horrible kraken. It's like a giant octopus and it was coming onto our shore and it was causing all kinds of troubles to our nation. It was like the perfect storm. Each tentacle represented something like economic problems and, and war and all these different things. Famine and pestilence, blah, 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 blah. And they all meant different things. And I was hiding behind this wall. I was terrified of this thing. Abs I mean, it made me feel physically ill to look at it. It was so disgusting. I didn't see anything so nasty looking. And, and I, just, I just hid behind this and the voice of God said to me why are you frightened I was like why, why are you frightened uh, have you not seen what that thing is doing have you not seen what it, the power that it has I'm like this little blob and this thing can just crush me with a whip of its tentacle you, what do you mean well, don't be afraid and, and God really rebuked me in a dream and said you are not to be afraid of these things when you see things like Great troubles and things coming on this nation. You are not to be afraid. It is a commandment. It's not an optional extra. It's not a cozy Christian thing you can get to choose to do. It is a commandment. Do not be afraid. And though its waters roar and are troubled, though the mountains shake before his majesty, we are not to be afraid. And move on to verse 6. It says, God... Is in the midst. All right, I'll go back to verse five, just do as I'm told. Now, my verse five is probably your verse four in this Bible um, because some Bibles put the title where it says Psalm 46 to the chief musician for the sons of Korah. They put that as verse one, but in some Bibles, they just keep it as really verse zero. Um, so it says, there is a river, the streams of which will make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the most high. There is a river. Do you know where that river is? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Now, in heaven, there is a river of life up there. Okay, You can read about it in Revelation. There is a river up there. And then when Jesus returns, it says uh, in Ezekiel um, how that, um, that underneath the temple mount, there'll be this big split and water will come out of it. And that water will be healing water that will go into the Red Sea and, and heal it. And so, again, you have the parallel on the earth as you see the parallel in the, in the heavens. And also it says that there will be trees that will grow down uh, along this way um, that will be for the healing of the nations, which is exactly the same description of the tree of life, which is in the New Jerusalem in heaven, which talks about that its fruits are for the healing of the nations as well. Why is this important? Because it's that whole parallel of the kingdom of heaven being manifest on the earth. 
And so as God the Father is in the throne on Mount Zion in, in, in the heavenly Jerusalem, so Jesus will rule and reign from Mount Zion on the earth and uh, on Jerusalem on the earth over the whole nations, etc., etc. And you'll have this parallel. And obviously the water of life in heaven and the tree of life in heaven and the water of life coming out from the, from the, uh, from the, from the holy place in Israel and all this kind of stuff. It's all mimicking what's going on in the heavenlies. And that is what Jesus wants to do through you and me. There has to be, there is too much of a disconnect between where we are at and where heaven is at. And so as eventually the earth will mirror in the natural what is going on in the spiritual, therefore in our own lives we all must be the same in the sense that we must come into kingdom alignment so that the will of God as it's being done in heaven will be done down here on the earth through little old you and me. That's what God wants to do. That's kingdom living. There's a price to pay in that, but it's a joyous price. So there is a river, the streams of which will make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. Any other uh, ri- living rivers that you know about? This is not Sunday school. You can, you can tell me an answer. Any, any other river, living rivers? No? No? Shed Shed, the river Shed. Not the river Shed. No, I don't know how to the river Shed. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Living rivers within us, yeah? So you, you have the Holy Spirit within you. So you have this... You, river, river Shed's a joke, is it? It's a good joke. What's the punchline? No, nothing. <laughs> there is a river, the streams of which will make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. And we are... Each one of us is the holy dwelling place of the living God most high. And each of us have these living waters bubbling up inside of us. We are like a mini temple of God. We are a, a sanctuary where God is indwelling and living in us. And together we're like living stones that form together to create a bigger temple. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 6, verse 5, I guess for you. God is in the midst. God is in its midst. It will not be moved. God will help at the approach of the morning. If God is in your midst, and if God is a living reality to you, you cannot be moved. Now you might go, Chris, this is just, oh, this is all very highfalutin, very nice and encouraging uh, Christian waffle and, fl- and fluffle. But, but, is it, but is it true? Is there anybody here that can testify to the fact that God has delivered them and done wonderful things in their lives? Put your hand up. All right. So this isn't Christian flannel and fluff, is it? This is real stuff. God is in its midst and it will not be moved. God will help at the approach of the morning. In other words, as we go from darkness to light. Verse 7, verse 6 for you. The nations raged. You ever seen the nations rage? Seeing them rage at the moment? Man, the last five years has not been fun, is it? Watching the nations just have a go about Christians and this, that and the other. What I find quite interesting now, though, is payback time. You know, I remember five years ago, all of these people getting pulled off the streets for preaching or, or people in the workplace that had a cross or, or people at school that said something by accident, you know, they shouldn't have said in respect to a gender um, thing or whatever. And now the Christian concern and people like that have taken these cases and these cases are getting won pretty much every time now, time after time after time after time after time. Because what, they, what people were following was what they thought were guidelines, but they thought guidelines was the, there was the writ of law. But it isn't the writ of law. But the writ of law is actually on our side. There is freedom of religion. And you are allowed to practice your faith. And we're starting to see God, when those nations raged, when, when companies rage against Christians, etc., then God will do his thing and he will come through for us. 
You see, sometimes it seems unfair. For example, some of those, those Christians that have gone through the mill, who went through everything they went through, like some school teachers, etc., lost their jobs and stuff. Uh, I'm aware of one guy, a C of E vicar guy. He, he, got, he got kicked out of a, a Christian school because they said he was basically, his, his language was like the language of terrorism and stuff, which has nothing to do with that at all. And, but these people, they've gone through the mill, but what they've done is that they've now set a precedence so that when you go through that, or if you go through that, a precedence has been set so you don't have to go through the mill. God is good. He's kind to us. And he gives people strength to endure these things. Verse 7. Um, the Lord of hosts is with us. I'll say that again. The Lord of hosts is with us. Who, who are the hosts? Who are the hosts? The, the angels and the chief angels, the archangels, the seraphim and the cherubim. Hallelujah. And these glorious, powerful beings that are so beyond our wildest imaginings. And Jesus is the king. He is like the, was it, the president. He is the, the chief, commander in chief of all of heaven's armies. And the Lord of those heaven's armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And it says Selah. In other words, ponder and think about that. Meditate on it. Let it go around your mind. As it says in Romans, if God before you, who can be against you? Selah. If God before you, who can be against you? If God before you, who can be against you? No one. Nothing. No situation. No circumstance. No demon. No devil. Nothing. No mountain. Nothing can stop you. God is with you and he is your refuge. He's our refuge. And then I like this in verse 9 or verse 8. Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he has made in the earth. You are, that's a bit negative, isn't it? No, because you see, God is in charge. God is in charge of everything. There's nothing that goes on in the world and God's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. He is in charge of everything. Sometimes we don't understand it. It says in Daniel 4, it talks about the watchers. Watchers are a certain class of angelic being. And those watchers have the power to kick down people out of authority and to raise people up into authority. And this shows us that whatever sovereign and kings and leaders are all around the world are placed there by the living God. Now that raises some interesting questions. Here. Well, what about dot, dot, dot? And what about dot, dot, dot? Don't worry about it. It's not your problem. It's God's problem. But God uses things. Like, I've got to be careful when I say this. No, I'm not going to say it because it's too controversial. If, if I wasn't recording this, I'd tell you something. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll just leave that for you. Like, oh, what was that? Just leave you hanging. Sorry about that. But sometimes God does things which, which are offensive to our sensibilities to bring about his plans and purposes. And sometimes that's not pretty. And sometimes that's not comfortable. And sometimes it's like, why, oh Lord, why did you have to do it that way? Because he's God and he sees all time. We don't. We just see our own little point of perspective. He sees the full picture, the big picture. Hallelujah. Amen. And come behold the works of the Lord. This is why we have testimony time at the church. Because it, it, whether God does huge, massive things on, on, a, on a global scale or little things in our individual lives, it's good to tell each other the deeds that God has done for us. And behold the works of the Lord. Because, you know, you might be going through a really difficult patch. But when you hear what God is doing in people's lives, like your healing on your leg and stuff, it's like, yeah, God is still healing. God is doing this. You know, I get people say to me, oh, why can't we have miracles in this country like we get in Africa? It's like, well, we do. We do every day. You're just probably not aware of them. You need to get out more. Um, 
Yeah, exactly. We need to do more stuff. Pray for people more, as you said. Verse 9, he makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear asunder. He burns the chariots in the fire. In other words, our, our enemies, God will deal with our enemies. God will deal. I mean, most of our most of the stuff that comes against us is demonic and satanic. You might think, well, it's not just situations and circumstances. But there are powers behind those situations and circumstances. You need to know there's an enemy who doesn't like you very much because of what you represent. You're a threat to his kingdom. Yeah? But you are a manifestation of the true kingdom on earth. And he's like, hey, I'm the God of this earth. I don't want him ruling. And so you are a threat. So don't be surprised. As the Bible says, don't be surprised when you face trials and tribulations of various kinds. If anything, consider it pure joy. Hallelujah. So next time you're going through some stuff, go, yes, finally, something bad is going on in my life. Hallelujah. Give thanks in all circumstances. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you. I've lost my job. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I've lost my job. How am I going to pay my bills? I don't know. But woo, the worse it gets, the better it is. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, taken to the crazy land. Yeah, taken to the crazy hospital. But God is with us. Consider it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you do go through trials and tribulations. Why? Because it's there to perfect your faith. It's good to go through some stuff. I know life is hard and life can be really mean and cruel sometimes. But don't, don't, don't come under it like it's about to crush you. But actually think, okay, God, through this situation, I know that you'll deliver me out of it. And I know that you will redeem me. But in the midst of this valley of the shadow of death, will you please strengthen and perfect my faith so I come out of this stronger better meaner leaner and I love this my, one of my favourite verses in the Bible verse 10 be still shut up and know that I am God in other words sometimes you know you just have to be still before God we're always you know charismatics and word of faith people have always got something to say haven't they got a scripture for this I've got something to say about that and I've got something to say about that I've got everything I've got a one liner for everything but sometimes just be quiet please be quiet and be still <laughs> and just know that he is God the, uh, the inference of this verse I remember years ago when I was at Bible college they said this particular um, in the Hebrew, the way that it's, that it's written is implying. He said it's like your, your, it's to do with God's military power. And so it's like these soldiers or the, the enemy military are riding over the cavalry, just riding over this mountain. And then suddenly they see the power of Almighty God. And it's like the, all the war horses come to a flying stop. And it's like, be still and know that he is God. And they all have to bow down before him. That's, that's, the, that's the term of the language in the Hebrew. It's that strong. It's not just like, oh, be still and be quiet. It's like, no, everything, be still. And know that he is God. Hallelujah. Because that's the God that you and I have as our Lord and our friend. He said, I shall be exalted among the nations. I shall be exalted in all the earth. Because there is coming a day when Jesus returns and he will be exalted in all the earth. And it ends with, as it said before, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob, the God of Isaac and Jacob and Abraham is our refuge. 
Pause and think on that. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, that you are such a good God, Lord, and you love us so, so much. And you're so good to us. And please forgive us, Lord, when we forget these simple truths, Lord. Lord, that when we look at the storms around us and not that the Messiah who's sat in the bed and in the boat with us. Lord God, when we're too busy at everything else but not knowing you are there with us all of the time. And forgive us, Lord, that we don't wake you up in fear. But Lord, we know that you are the God of peace and the God of shalom. And you can quiet any situation and any storm, Lord God. And we thank you that you are with us. You never fail us or forsake us. In the precious name of Jesus. And all the saints rejoiced and said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's all right.